I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and I'm here with Patrick Kinney and Diana Martinez from Film Streams. Hey there. Hi. And today we're talking about the film, A Glitch in the Matrix. I have, through dreaming and waking up, lived thousands of different lifetimes. There are fundamental metaphors about reality, waking up from a dream. We have this cognitive experience of shifting between realities. There's another world behind this world. Okay, so this is gonna set the tenor for everything. We are living in a computer programmed reality. Simulation theory is the idea that this is all fake. The matrix was real. We are being inhabited by some sort of player. I would start giving myself tests. I'm thinking of someone and I turn the corner and there they are. The only clue we have is when some alteration in our reality occurs. We are living in a simulation. Okay, so what do I do with that? I don't know, enjoy it. Simulation theory is a blending of religion and science. This is a way to deal with the complexity of human existence. What's the point of laws? What's the point of all this? This is what it feels like to be alive right now. The inability to separate real world from digital reality. A world without rules, controls, people are scarcely real to me. Because it's a game. There's a lot of very dark forces on the horizon. There are things that are trying to manipulate me. This world is capable of falling apart. Somebody's got to be putting their hand on the scale. The creator of the game. Yeah, it was super thought-provoking for me. This is always a question that will interest me. Give me this topic. I will pretty much watch anything on this topic. So I'm a a skeptic about uh, the simulation theory. So I found this actually very difficult to watch. And I was mostly writing down things that I disliked about the filmmaking and the way that uh, it was presented. Um, We talk about the show a lot. Uh, Joshua brings up a lot that like documentaries can be about anything and still be engaging. You know, the audience doesn't need to really care about the subject in order to enjoy a movie So I was like, there is a movie about simulation theory that could draw me in and keep me engaged and, you know, make me interested in it. And this actually just made me angry with the people who (laughs) believe in simulation theory. I can see, I can see why you would be angry, but I actually, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess. If we are in a simulation or not, like, what does it matter to me? It's still my life. And I'm, you know, it still feels the way that it does. So at the end of the day, like, that's how I feel about it. But I I actually think that there are some things about the filmmaking that are framed by the, the theoretical framework of, like, simulation, of, like, people who wrote about simulation. So I want to hear, I want to hear some of your uh, skepticisms. Well, I want to, <laughs> I want to agree with Patrick a little bit because this movie also made me angry. Um about this subject matter, because I do think that there is some 
there is some interesting like mathematical probabilities and when somebody like Neil deGrasse Tyson or something like that starts talking about this subject, I do find it fairly interesting. Um, but I think that this film made me angry because it's a problem that I have with this filmmaker a lot of times where he likes to find the more conspiracy minded side of things. And I think that that can sometimes be very problematic Um, and in this film, I think it took too long to get to the point of the dehumanizing effects that this theory can have when people start comparing life to like a video game and start being detached from any sense of reality. And it takes a, I think it took too long to get to that, um, and, and made it seem like really fun and, um, like romantic in a way before it got to disturbing, although I was disturbed the whole time. So maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't get a sense of where he's, I don't get a sense of the filmmaker. I, besides just being interested in like, uh, people's weird ideas. And I had the same problem with the nightmare, which is a film about sleep paralysis where he has no experts in it. And then he also has a very conspiracy laden, uh, film about, the shining, which, you know, that is more interesting because it's about art and art is more interpretive. Um, but when he gets into these subjects that are like kind of more science minded, I think that he doesn't have a science mind. Well, and I think actually, I mean, what could, I think intrigue me about simulation theory is that it is, is like the non-scientific part of it. Because to me, this doesn't seem very different from any kind of attempt at like meaning making or like answering big questions like, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? Is there something beyond this world that we know? You know, these are universal age old questions. And I don't think that it's very unusual in an age when our environment is so linked with, you know, connectivity through the internet. And so many people are parsing experience through digital, uh, digital experiences, especially video games. I don't think it's strange to try to find meaning through those lenses, um, which some of these people who are, you know, witnesses or experts seem to be doing. And I don't think that's strange at all. I'm almost there, but it's the fact that he's picking people who are like so into the specialness of their unique insights into this. They're like, they're not trying to share their view. They are trying to trumpet their unique insights into the inner workings of the universe, which is hard to watch for an hour. Yeah, I did. I did write down a bunch of times, like how much this glorified their ideology. I'm not saying necessarily the filmmaker or the film, but the people that are the subject of the film very much glorify their individuality and how they are not, they're the real person and everyone else is fake. Um, Diana, I'm curious to hear more of your analysis of what we're talking about. I mean, I think Patrick is right. Like so much of when I was watching this film and like everyone was talking about, you know, like simulation theory, like it, it is, it, it's a philosophy, right? Like it's asking these questions that like religion asks, which is like, why like part of the film is about like science fiction and religions like understanding of like these fundamental questions of like who are we you know what are we here for all like all those things i don't think that the people within the film 
Like, I don't think that that's the director's fault. <laughs> like, I feel like that's something like I fall into a lot, especially with like, unfortunately, like science fiction fans. Like the idea that like science fiction is doing something interesting or new or futuristic when it's really like, it's not. Like it's just asking the same fundamental questions and a lot of times replicating the same societal structures that we have now with like, you know, hologram technology and then all of a sudden I'm supposed to think that it's like a, a brand new like narrative. <laughs> like it's not, and, and so I think that, th that that's an issue of um, like the, the fandom and like, who, like the way that some of these philosophies are um, unfortunately appropriated by like people who think that they're radical, but they're not like Elon Musk, mm, mm -hmm. right? By like these inventors who like think that, that science and te technology is asking all these new questions when like at the end of the day, it's maybe just asking really fundamental questions that like religion has asked for a really long time. And so I don't think that that's the director's fault. Like I think that that, that gets to an inherent problem within um, things like simulation theory and like science fiction. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of what I have to say about that. Like that's my answer because I get it. I have that frustration too. Well, I do have a part that I wrote down that that I think kind of speaks to what you're talking about, Diana, that I wrote that this is basically like Buddhism in reverse. Like <laughs> I was thinking about Buddhism because they talk about how you blow apart your atoms and you realize that like, oh, you're not real, like you're not a self. And that's something that Buddhism tries to find. But the difference is, is like in say like Buddhism, you find out you're not a self and that, but then you find you're a group of atoms and everything is connected and then I think that this like technological view of this, like it made him think that, oh, everything else is fake rather than you're just a part of everything else. You know what I mean? <laughs> the part that I found compelling, um, and I think one of y'all mentioned this, is when it does get to the questions of like nihilism. It's like, yeah. what if we are in a simulation? Mm -hmm. Right? Like what happens then? And I think that there is here in the film, possibly like a problematic slippage between people accepting this as like a theory and then like people who think video games are real. Like those are not the same people. <laughs> you know, like those to me do not cross over. And I think that the film is making like a really dangerous conflation between those two kinds of people. Um, you know, and there's this really extended sequence where like a man is describing like the murder of his family basically. Um, but there are other ones where, you know, an example is like this guy's walking down the street and he realizes that like maybe he's, he's the, you know, player in this simulation and everyone else is just like, you know, these secondary characters. Um, but like he's a secondary character to someone, right? So like, but his well, narcissism isn't explained by simulation theory. And this is what I was, then, you know, this just harkens back to what I was already saying about how for some people, this is about their own specialness. It's not about how like, oh, I am also, we are all in this simulation. It's the simulation is what, you know, exists around me. Um, and I also, I want to say the extended, I don't know. I didn't know what to make of that extended 
sequence with um, Josh Cook, I believe is the name of the person who killed his parents in real life. Uh, this is a real crime um, uh, because he, you know, it, sounds, it seems like he was having, you know, perhaps a mental health crisis. Tied yeah, in with it, he delusion. saw the Matrix and yes. because of it really had like almost like a dissociative yeah. moment. Yep. Um, and so that that was presented in court and it was called the Matrix effect, um, which was like this, that he's outside of himself. He doesn't know what he's doing and he's doing these things because he doesn't actually believe that there will be consequences for the things that he does. Sorry, just to give background, but go on. No, that's great. And I think if the idea is to not glorify this event in particular and this entire like this danger, the way that that part of the movie was told was so it was the best part of the movie from a craft standpoint. It was very suspenseful. It was like a very well-told story and it was prurient, I think. I mean, it, it glorified the I thought it glorified the crime. Um, and I thought it was just such a strange failure for the movie. To, it was a huge stumble, I think. I was going to say that's like the part where I was saying that I think it was a little bit irresponsible <laughs> because I do think that he, I understand, I think I understand what he was trying to do. I think that's the part where he was trying to show the dangers of this idea of othering every single person outside of your view like everybody's a secondary character and you're the main person like in this simulation you know um that's the part that i thought was like trying to get to that the danger that could happen if you buy into this theory too much um and and i agree with you i think that it was bungled because the, the story is horrifying but it the film didn't relay that horror in a in a way that i thought was like effective it felt too detached and too technological and it didn't to me it didn't really chime in on the humanity of the situation if that's what they were trying to do i don't think it did right because it's rendered as if it's a video game like the reenactment of the crime is rendered yeah. as if it's like goldeneye the video game which is like if you actually want to bring this to reality it's horrifying as it is, maybe show photos of the crime scene. Even if you do like what a director would do, like maybe like a Errol Morris or something, like even if you just shoot in an empty house, but you use like video footage, I feel like that would have been. Even I completely understand where you guys yeah. are coming from with this. Oh, here we like, go. like I get it, but I mean, maybe, maybe I'm giving the film too much credit, but, but I feel like one of the things that's really effective. And I think one of the things that, N not just with the, like how someone could like um, uh, like take this film, but I, even I think with other films is that like I do think that directors don't just like put things on screen for us to absorb, but they're also trying to create effects. And I think the effect that's created is actually much stronger than if they had portrayed so-called humanity on the screen, right? Because the viewer is seeing what's happening in this detached way with. Mm -hmm. Um, with with the man narrating what he did to his parents. And like the experience of watching it is like very visceral and very human. And that to me was like so much more powerful than like having seen the images of like 
dead people or having seen the crime scene because that was the moment where I was like, oh, like there is reality. Because it like, because this guy is narrating to you like the, what he was thinking, right? Like his worldview, the framework that's undergirding this crime that he did. This is the kind of nihilism that's necessary, which according to Jean Baudrillard, who wrote Simulacra and Simulation, like that is inevitably where simulation theory goes. Um, not necessarily to violence, but to a kind of like nihilism, like we can't do anything. Like what is there to do if everything's a simulation? Like why even bother? Everything's just gonna keep replicating itself the same way and everything. Um, and for me, that, w- that was the moment that I actually thought was more um, emotionally powerful because I had an emotional response to it that was very much, that was no longer logical, but was like purely like, this guy's the worst. <laughs> and yeah. that was like a human moment that I thought that maybe the director was trying to produce intentionally. Um, I will say though, like shout out to, and I think I I want to apologize to this woman. I did research to find her name. It is not in any of the literature about the movie. Uh, There was one woman featured in the documentary. And if either of you did write down her name, please let's, do we have that? I did not. I actually, I mean, one of the things that was kind of frustrating with this film is that you don't see a lot of people's faces. You see weird simulations. um, And you maybe, for some people, see a tag only once. For other people, I don't even remember seeing a tag for her. Nope, not Um, I. I think she was in the credits, but she was one of the few people that said really smart things. (laughs) Yes, she was. And she's not in, like, the official summary or anything put out. Anyway, it's very funny. But she is... You know, I was always so grateful when she came on the screen. Same. <laughs> and I think she yeah, said she was something great. that was funny about like the antidote to this or like what is like no one ever really asked the question like what do we do for people who are getting into dangerous uh states of mind because of this theory or being lost to it and she essentially is like you need to get out there and experience like real physical things like get laid dance do stuff like this um and it was kind of it was so refreshing it was like a transcendentalist like transcendentalist you know uh you know breeze through this strange otherwise uh, very technical i don't know like dorm room conversation yeah yeah and i think I I think the question that I have is actually outside the scope of simulation theory, which begins on a premise that nothing is real. But my question throughout this whole thing is, what qualifies as real? Like, is it that binary? Is it, it's either real or it's not? Like, if we're in a simulation, like, you know, I said at the start of this thing, like, it is it not still real to me? Like, are my feelings still not real? Are these things that I'm touching still not tangible to whatever molecular form or binary form that I am or whatever? Like, I just, from like, I think that's an interesting question, <laughs> like, for simulation theorists, right? Like, what, what do you need to prove that there is reality? Like, what are the signs of reality 
if there are signs that we are in a simulation. Can you imagine how upset you would make one of these people in this movie if they did their whole thing and then you just said, so what? <laughs> because so what? Like at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, and, it doesn't make the it doesn't make any of the suffering any less real. Which I think the filmmaker does kind of mention at the end, even if we are in this like uh, something else is maybe it's not God, but it's like some other situation. Like what's the difference if the suffering is real? Philip K. Dick and his speech is kind of like the anchor, but Philip K. Dick actually had empathy. And I think that's something that really gets uh, mentioned throughout. I mean, through, especially near the end of the film that he actually had empathy. So, um, I think that that's an, just an important part of it, even if we are in some type of simulation that, you know, empathy is a valid feeling that we should, uh, you know, respect yeah. each other and respect each other's suffering. Well, and I think that's like the... And, oh, sorry. Her name was Emily Pothast. All right, tip of the hat to Emily. We thank you very much. But with that, I, we don't often do conclusions, but I do kind of, because I feel like this conversation could go... Um, but I do kind of want to get a, con a a conclusion from each of us. Uh, and I just want to start with, I think I've kind of, I kind of have this love hate relationship with this filmmaker, like all of his films, like spark conversation. And I end up talking about them a lot. I do think that they're oftentimes kind of conspiracy minded, but maybe that's, but he does it in a way that's like interesting. Um, and I do think it's worth watching. Um, but be prepared that if you're like me or Patrick, you might be really angry. <laughs> um, I guess my conclusion is, I mean, I read articles about simulation theory. If there's ever like, is this real? Are we in a computer program? Love it. Always here for it. I, I love that conspiracy theory <laughs> version of things. Um, but I do think there are more scientific approaches to this. Um, like if this particularly doesn't spark your fancy, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson has talked about it, as Josh, you've mentioned, in like really compelling, like scientific ways. Um, like for me, it's just like watch the film with other people if you can or through Zoom or however, because I do think it sparks like really good conversation. Like my fiance and I basically talked through this whole thing as we were watching it because I think um, this film leads you down a lot of rabbit holes about... Um, what what you think about and how you conceive the world. So I would say for me, I would say that this conversation was um, the best part about watching this conversation that we're having right now is the best part about watching this movie. I mean, I think that's why I wrote so many notes is because I just, I did want to be having a conversation about it. So I think on that, I mean, not every movie can do that. So that is a success. That is an achievement. I think you should watch it and then you'll want to talk with people about it. Um, and that's, that's something right there. Um, yeah, I'm glad we finally got to record this and talk about it. So with that, what should people watch with uh, a glitch in the matrix? I went in a very different direction. Um, and I think, Maybe I'd pick something different now after we've had this conversation, but I picked something that was like very rooted in the natural world. Uh, it's also a documentary. It's called Leaning into the Wind. Um, it's about uh, the 
artist Andrew Goldsworthy, Andy Goldsworthy, um, who is an environmental artist. It is the documentary is like ha- an hour and a half of like wind song and him like working arranging rocks, and it, it just is you know the antithesis of what we just watched, and that's what I wanted. <laughs> by the time we were done uh so leaning into the wind beautiful movie uh i think it's a good if you if you're like me and you want something totally different after it go with that all right my recommendation so i'm gonna be honest i think i had two recommendations but i forgot one so i only have one and um (laughs) i went very weird with this one um i think everybody should watch rick and morty Um, which is a great animated television show. It's available through Hulu, through HBO Max, um, about a grandpa and his grandson who go on adventures through space. But there's this particular episode of the newest season, season four. It's episode six. It's called Never Ricking Morty. Um, The show is super smart about um, science fiction tropes. And this particular episode gets super meta about the construction of narrative and so they're basically on this train um, and they're trying to kind of like rewrite the narrative and reliving all these different tropes that have happened in the show that happened in other science fiction um, television shows and it's very um, explicit about the construction of the world of Rick and Morty and the writers outside of it so I thought it would be a really um, kind of fun pairing Uh, thinking about simulation theory, watching a show where the characters are very aware that they are characters and animated and existing within a world of narrative. I am going to recommend two um, that are very different from each other. But one is I think that this film and and a lot of uh, like kind of conspiracy thoughts and like new agey thoughts can kind of take from physics and like theoretical science. And I think that a nice pairing with this one would be to just go back and re and watch uh, Errol Morris's a brief history of time about Stephen Hawking. I think that that's just such a beautiful film. Um, and it feels otherworldly and it's, it's just beautifully made. It's just so different than a lot of documentaries you see about people like Stephen Hawking and, and though I just think the way it was done was incredible. And I just always recommend people to watch that. Um, when you see, when you, to see like how just someone who's really playing with the form of documentary and then also getting into the mind of a physicist, you know? Um, and then the other one deals with the singularity. It's a comedy. It's a little indie comedy called uncle Kent two. And it actually is a sequel, but you do not have to see the original Uncle Kent. Uh, the original one was directed by Joe Swanberg. It's a little like slice of life movie with this guy, Kent Osborne, who's in a bunch of Joe Swanberg movies. Um, and Uncle Kent's like a little slice of life movie about this guy who's like a struggling artist. And this friend comes to visit him from out of town and they have this like awkward tension and it's very indie. But then years and years later, this movie that no one really ever saw, they did Uncle Kent 2 uh, with a different director, and it totally deals with like this whole idea of the singularity. It's funny, it's absurd, and it's really, really well done, and I always suggest people watch Uncle Kent 2. The Glitch in the Matrix is available on film streams at home. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure. For film streams, I'm Patrick Kinney. 
And for Film Streams, I'm Diana Martinez.